Where in hell can you go? Far from the things that you know Far from the sprawl of concrete that keeps crawling its way Keep your heart off your sleeve Guppy Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi Written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher Episode 5, First Stone We're back in Sulawesi now, staying at the usual hotel, and this has been an interesting week. We'd sent the drawings ahead of us, and they had arrived in Minado, where Oni lives, which, given the vagaries of the Indonesian postal service around here, was in itself no small thing, and Oni had presented the plans to the mayor's office. The drawings were beautifully presented. A plan view in front, rear and side elevations, all nomenclature being written by Martin in English. The officials in the mayor's office would not have understood a word of it, but were, it seems, impressed, and when asked why the English, Oni was able to tell them that they were drawn by an international architect, which seemed to further impress them. In any case, the requisite amount of money having changed hands, we have our building consent, and we may build our lodge, which means that we may, and indeed, must erect a board on site proclaiming this right, including the all-important building consent number. By now we have a few words of Indonesian. It would perhaps have been a sensible thing for us to have enrolled on a course in Indonesian back home, but since sensible is not the first word which springs to mind with any of this, It is very much in the spirit of things that we did not. We can manage good morning, or good afternoon, or how are you, and today it is hot. This last one being somewhat academic, since every day here it is hot. We can also count in Indonesian, but that's about the extent of it. And, in any case, in this state of linguistic preparedness, we are introduced to the man who will oversee the building of our lodge, whose name is Mr. Yan. Mr. Yan can't speak any English either. So let's see how this goes. We've been back to the village, and it just feels so right. And I'm now completely convinced we have made the right decision. The enthusiastic waving from all of the villagers as we drive past their humble abodes makes us feel so welcome. And the entourage of village children in their brightly coloured clothes, which follows us so enthusiastically wherever we go, is so lovely. It was a very pleasant surprise to find that the villagers have cleared our land of wild vegetation. And Marwin's banana plantation is no more. So, for the first time, we get a proper feel of what we have bought. I can now so easily imagine standing in the early morning tropical sunshine on one of the lodge's upstairs balconies, taking in the view across the Celebes Sea to the islands beyond. Excitingly, we can also now get an idea of the size of the lodge 
as Mr. Yan has marked out with string the outline of where the building will be. And rather fortunately, it actually fits on the area of flat land before the land slopes down to the water's edge. Even a length of trench has been dug for the foundation, which we discover has been done for a very particular reason. While we are here, a special ceremony has been organised. Phil and I, so in fact Phil, since he knows about this kind of thing, must lay the first foundation stone. The owner must do this to ensure good fortune and so that the building can be blessed in order to stop evil spirits from entering the lodge at any time during or after its construction. Our time spent in the village is so worthwhile as it gives us a chance to meet or at least smile at some of the people who live there and get a better feel for that which we hope may one day become our home. Although it's primarily a fishing village, pigs and chickens roam freely everywhere, as well as dogs, which, despite appearances, all belong to someone and are kept more for vermin control and for security than anything else and are in any case mostly, it seems, left to scavenge for themselves. The village is so hospitable, offering us extremely sweet coffee at every house we visit, usually accompanied by equally sweet but delicious homemade cakes, round coconut balls which sort of explode as you bite into them, oozing palm sugar, or rice cakes cooked in banana leaves, these being two particular favourites. Neither Phil nor I take sugar in coffee, nor are we used to such sweet delicacies, so the sugar hit can sometimes be difficult to deal with. And we are a novelty, being the first white people to come to the village. The bravest children follow us everywhere, and the more shy amongst them observe us from behind half-closed doors as we walk around, getting to know the place better and coming to terms with the strangeness of it all, which apparently applies both ways. We get used to the children shouting, Hello, mister! this being about the extent of their English, whether they're addressing Phil or me. We try to teach them a new word, miss, but it doesn't seem to quite sink in. So, hello, mister, it is. One thing that we do notice immediately is that despite the fact that these people live on such meagre income, all of the children are healthy, clean and well turned out, and the people take great care of and pride in themselves and their humble homes and gardens. The dirt and stone road is swept daily outside each house, so whatever else it may be, the village is always very clean.
So then, Mr. Yan is to be our builder, and we have had no choice in the matter. There are no competitive quotations here. In fact, there are no quotations at all, really. A figure of money is vaguely mentioned, which we assume will bear no relation to anything which we will actually pay, and certainly nothing is written down. It will take as long as it takes, and cost as much as it costs. And Mr. Yan seems surprised that we would have expected anything else. We do have a rough idea of how much a skilled worker or labourer will earn in a day, and how much materials will cost per tonne of sand or per brick and so on. And these are a small fraction of the costs which one would pay in England. And we intend to finance the entire project from our monthly earnings. This is not a sell-everything-and-move-abroad situation, and we will keep our house in Colchester, so that should anything or everything go disastrously wrong at any time in the future, we could always catch the next plane home and have somewhere to live, much, it must be said, to the relief of our families. We agree with Mr. Yan and with Oni that we will send monthly payments, which Oni will use to buy whatever materials are required, and for Mr. Yan to pay his workers, and thus do we establish our future working relationship. Mr. Yan is quite a large man by Indonesian standards, with a gruff constitution and a ready smile. A bit of a rough diamond, one might say, and we like him on first meeting. He also seems competent enough when going about his work, and looks as though he would be more than able to control his workforce which will, for the most part, be made up of men from the village, specialist tradesmen being brought in as needed. The first stone ceremony was a success, and began with Phil being down in a trench, and looking quite at home there, I must say, holding a bricklaying trowel and a piece of black basaltic stone, which all foundations are made of here. This was rather like home from home to him, as laying stone walls and bricks are two of his favourite commercial occupations. My attempt, I feel, being more of a token, the stone probably being relayed after we left. The village vicar was there, along with Mr. Aris and Mr. Benjamin, the headman, Mr. Yan, several of the villagers, and the odd inquisitive dog. Phil put down a mortar bed on the ancient coral bedrock upon which the village sits, and the vicar and all assembled said prayers in Indonesian, which, of course, we didn't understand. I entered into the spirit of things and said amen in the appropriate places, whilst Phil ceremoniously placed his piece of stone on its mortar bed, and the Pertama Batu, or first stone, was laid, and the building is thus duly blessed. The ceremony lasted about 20 minutes, during which time Phil busied himself down in the trench, laying a few more stones just for good measure, and just because he was clearly enjoying himself down there. Eventually the prayers were over and all assembled retired to Aris's house where Sulcha, his wife, had prepared more sweet coffee and pisangoreng or fried bananas and various other local delicacies. So it was all rather lovely and the building of our lodge has begun 
and it now has three dimensions, albeit that they are so far all subterranean. We look forward now to the time that the building makes its way above ground level on its upward journey towards the warm, cloudless, tropical sky. Motherland Listen to the further adventures of Phil and Paula in Indonesia in our next show here on Cone Radio. Phil's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience.